thank you all for being here on this miraculous day. And it's not that I don't believe in miracles. It's just that there is so much more to this holiday, to this season, to this myth, than the way the story ends. And indeed, today is the day all over the world when our Christian siblings celebrate the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus. And many Christians find in his suffering, sacrifice, and ultimate triumph the promise of an eternity of peace and happiness through faith. And the message of God made flesh only to return to divinity is of great comfort to some who suffer, great hope for some who despair, and has done wonders for believers throughout the ages. But this is not, not the message we Unitarian Universalists have historically gleaned from this holiday. No, our Unitarian ancestors have preached vehemently for nearly 2,000 years about the personhood of Jesus. That the message of the good Rabbi Joshua was so much more powerful if it were the words and deeds of a man than it ever could be if we saw him only as a God. If Jesus were human, as the Unitarians claim, then his struggles and his achievements, despite the enormous obstacles he would encounter, would be our struggles and our achievements, our suffering and our triumph. If you were a God, then none of this would apply. We could take no example from his living or dying as he was simply not like us. Universalists, on the other hand, saw the miracle of Easter as a confirmation of a loving universe, confirmation of a loving God that would not, could not condemn his own creation to eternal damnation, and affirm that Jesus was but one, one child of God, one of the infinite creation who would come to be reconciled at the end of days. We here know that Easter has a much older, perhaps more accurate meaning. Long before Joshua, Jesus, the rabbi from Nazareth, walked the earth, our polytheistic ancestors celebrated the feast of the fertility goddess known to Germanic tribes as Ostara or Esther. It does not take a linguist to find the similarity between the words Estra and, say it with me, Easter. And in fact, the pagan goddess is the true namesake of this now Christian holiday. Ostara is a fertility figure closely associated with the springtime and the beginning of the agrarian cycle of the year, the first plantings, first flowers. In Scandinavia, Ostara's name was Freya, and often appeared to humans in the form of a rabbit. Quite clearly, the Easter Bunny and much of the symbolism of this holiday comes from this particularly un-Christian goddess. 
It makes sense that the Christians would use this imagery of life resurrecting after winter's end in their own holiday. Also occurring about this time of year, as we know, because of the Passover Seder Jesus attended the night before his trial, known to Christians as the Last Supper. In fact, the entire breadth of Jesus' ministry as recounted in the New Testament is framed over just four Passover holidays, or a mere three years. What better evidence is there for life reborn than the sharp green points of sprouts and bulbs, once thought dead under winter frosts, only to rise again from the earth green with new life? And it's not that I don't believe in miracles, but you can come with me a bit skeptical. Several years ago, when I was still a minister at a small rural Unitarian Universalist Church in Northwest Illinois, I would attend the annual Good Friday interfaith service, always held at one of the other churches in town, and yes, they were all Christian. Interfaith to them meant they tolerated the UU minister because, well, most of them just assumed us to be a form of Christian because, well, what other option was there really, right? <laughs> but always during these services, there was the story of the cross with varying degrees of graphic detail. A selective reading from the book of John, which would, would paint uh, the Jewish population in a particularly unfavorable light and a long sermon about the miracle of the bodily resurrection and its implication for the rest of us, sinners though we may be. Now, it's not that I don't believe in miracles. Indeed, I see them every day. And a hawk swooping low over my car as I drive between amber fields, the moonrise, foggy gold over Lake Michigan, the laughter of my son where I, when I wear a funny hat or fake mustache. The tiny spears of bulbs starting, just starting, to peek out of sodden earth along the south side of our home. Now, it's not that I don't believe in miracles. It's just that I believe in metaphor, symbolism, story, and myth so much more. And just like we discussed last week in regards to the Exodus story containing the truth of myth as opposed to the facts of history, so too does the Easter story take some liberties with the linear accounting events, but touches on a larger archetypal truth. Jesus, a rabbi, was in trouble with the authorities over some of his teachings that had drastic political implications for the ruling Jew Jewish classes and their Roman occupiers. A radical, a radical religious reformer, Jesus responded to the injustices he saw inherent in the temple system and the hypocrisy in the way the Jewish faith was being lived out in Jerusalem. At the time, wealthy Jewish merchants were known to buy, purchase, political and even religious appointments from the Romans, including the status of temple priest. 
The temple priesthood was once reserved for only the most accomplished and venerated rabbinic scholars. But now that the Romans were in control, and they did like their gold regardless of who was paying them, any man could be a temple priest for a year if he could simply afford it. Likewise, an entire economic system had grown up around the temple so that merchants and traders could always be found within their sacred walls, selling animals for sacrifices or souvenir trinkets purported to grant good luck. And if you found yourself without the right currency, don't worry, there were money lenders at hand to make an exchange for a small conversion fee, of course. And these were just some of the many abuses Jesus saw at the temple that offended his sense of spiritual duty and pitted him forever against the Romans and the wealthy class of Israelis who colluded with the Romans. Eventually, news of his radically divisive ministry reached the Roman and Jewish authorities in Jerusalem and a warrant was issued for his arrest. But rather than flee his would-be enemies, Jesus would ride proudly into Jerusalem to celebrate Passover for perhaps the last time, and he knew it. He arrives on the back of a donkey, symbolic of humility in the face of the Roman legion's horses and giant statues of golden eagles, to face his fate, tell his truth, and die if necessary. Now we all know the way the story ends, at least it's told to us that it ends. A betrayal by a friend, an arrest, a trial, the eventual persecution and torture of Jesus, his death on the cross, followed three days later by the resurrection. Now the resurrection, Christians say, is proof positive of God's existence and love. And as a universalist, I do believe that this story has something to say about God and love. But my proof is not in the story of the resurrection itself. My proof is the way Jesus stood for love, even in the face of death. Now, when we think of some of the greatest advocates for love in our past, we think often of those who died or at least made great sacrifices for the sake of love. Dr. King continued his work for justice despite repeated threats on his, uh, his life and his own eventual martyrdom, just as his hero Gandhi did decades before. The Buddha, it is said, forsook a station of luxury as, as part of the royal ruling class of India for a life dedicated to learning and teaching the common people in the way of inner peace and an end to suffering. One of our kind of indirect spiritual ancestors, the Catholic priest Jan Hus, looks like John House, but it's pronounced Jan Hus, shared the Easter communion cup with the laity, despite knowing it would almost certainly lead to his execution as a heretic. And the great Unitarian thinker Servetus refused to change his stance on the errors of the Trinity or his condemnation of capital punishment, even as his executioners lit the flames that would end his own life 
No, it's not that I don't believe in miracles. It's just that I find that these demonstrations of love, despite great sacrifice, illustrate the Easter message as well as any resurrection story. We know scientifically that Jesus was probably not physically raised from the tomb. We now have some pretty good archaeological evidence that suggests Jesus was buried in an ossuary in Jerusalem along with his family. But we do know that his promise, his promise that his words and deeds would live on long after his physical shell was shed, continues to be fulfilled each and every day. As much as any other life in Western history, that of the teacher of Jesus has lived on. Why anyone felt the need to re-emphasize this point with the story of the literal resurrection escapes me. For me, it's enough to hear the stories of those who have chosen death rather than fear, love of others over love of themselves, to know that the divine is good, to know the divine is loving. This strength and spirit is proven day after day, year after year, as evidenced in all good works, all good people, all decisions we make for the sake of the whole rather than ourselves alone. So what do we take from this time? This time when so much of our community is focused on the miracle of the resurrection, the miracle of everlasting life. Well, hopefully we take from this Sunday what we try and take from every Sunday. Every day we live and breathe and do. For us today, as it is every day, it is more about what we do in the here and now than any preparations we might make for a life that may or may not yet come. It is neither our place nor our destiny to necessarily die for the cause of love. Jesus and the other martyrs I've named are but reminders of the ultimate sacrifice we can be called to make for the sake of others. For there are any number of ways to contribute to the cause of love. Unitarian Universalists as a faith and this congregation in particular have taken a radical position for love, supporting gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender communities, combating systemic racism and oppression, siding with undocumented immigrants, confronting Islamophobia, and supporting world citizens whose lives have been devastated by natural disaster and war. But more than anything, it's what we do in our lives that matters. It's what we do in this life that matters. If we can ever choose love over fear, even when it's difficult and especially when it's dangerous, if we can choose mercy and compassion over vengeance, even and especially when we might be angry or hurt, and if we can think of the well-being of not just ourselves, but everyone, we are truly living the message and miracle of Easter. And that is a miracle I can believe in. Again, happy Easter, everyone.
Bless you.